most people are only as needy as their unmet needs. Hello, welcome back to the Vetam Day Podcast. If you are new here, I'm Asmaa Mohammed, your host, and this is a self-help podcast to help you help yourself to be better and get better out of life. Last week on the last episode, I spoke about attachment styles, and now here is the second part to that. This time, I will be focusing on how it affects relationships. Before I go on, I need you to know that my primary source of information problem may be 98% of this is a book written by psychiatrist and neuroscientist Amir Levine and psychologist Rachel Heller titled Attached, The New Science of Adult Attachment and How It Can Help You Find and Keep Love. Guys, this book is it. It's a great read and I strongly recommend it. I hope to one day in the future do a summary and review but for today I'm just picking up facts for this episode. Because of time, I would have to make this into a third part, which, be, which would be released next week. So please look out for it. I promise it's all worth it. I want to assume that if you are listening to this, or rather I hope, that you've listened to the last episode, so you have a full idea of the basis of this discussion. And you've probably confirmed your, your attachment styles. So today's discussion will focus on how the attachment styles handle relationships, like I said earlier, and how those with anxious or avoidant may find themselves in a danger zone, and basically all that goes on in the mind of both when it comes to relationships. If you are secure, you may be thinking you don't need to listen to this, but you do. You would understand how other people behave and why in the event that you may find yourself with someone not as secure as you are. Plus, like I mentioned last week, attachment styles can change, so you just never know. Before I carry on, I need to make two things very clear. One, it is possible to have one primary attachment style with a touch of another, especially for those with secure attachment style. And two, being anxious or avoidant is not pathologic. There is nothing wrong with you. There is no right or wrong attachment style. They all serve their purpose when thinking for about the evolution aspect of attachment theory. It just becomes a matter of how effective and fulfilling they are in relationships, which as you see, when the right strategies are used, we can enjoy a happy, fulfilling relationship. <laughs> okay, I'm ready now. The book says, the attachment system is the mechanism in our brain responsible for tracking and monitoring the safety and av- availability of our attachment figures. With that in mind, those with an anxious attachment style have super sensitive attachment system. If that's you, you possess a unique ability to sense when the relationship is being threatened. As a result, even a slight hint that something may be wrong activates your attachment system and once activated, it's difficult to calm down until you get some form of reassurance from your attachment figure, in this case your partner that everything is okay and well. According to this book, once activated, they, that's you, are often consumed with thoughts that have a single purpose, to establish closeness with their partner. These thoughts are called activating strategies. 
Activating strategies are thoughts or feelings that compel you to get close, physically or emotionally, to your partner. Once he or she responds to you in that way, that reestablishes security, you can revert back to your calm, normal self. Activating strategies include thinking about your partner and not being able to concentrate on other things. Anxious feelings that this is your only chance of love and you can't let it go. Even though you are unhappy, you can't let them go because of the unbearable thoughts of them with someone else. Putting them on a pedestal, telling yourself that all couples have problems. Guys, I read of a study that shows that people with anxious attachment system are more likely to stay in abusive relationships. And reading all these things now, it just makes more sense. This book even gave an example of a woman named Emily in a messed up relationship. The guy had some faults, which she knew about. She had a hard time breaking up with him, telling herself he'll change, everyone has problems, and so on. Thankfully, she eventually got out of it. And later on, looking back, she couldn't believe that she wasted her time. And she said if she had met a good guy sooner that didn't continuously activate her attachment system, she would have spared herself from her, in her words, misochistic borderline personality traits. There is a danger zone when it comes to, to relationships. And in terms of her relationship, Emily lived in the danger zone. She had to struggle to keep emotional balance as she went through endless cycle of activation with only brief moments of feeling secure in between. Her thoughts were governed by the fact that her partner wasn't always available to her. Had he been consistently available, these activating strategies would have been nipped in the bud instead of escalating out of control and she would have never had to leave the relationship comfort zone. Fortunately for anxious people with secure partners, their anxieties are often met with reassurance. Which leads me to Ryan's story. Ryan and Shauna had been together while working at the same office just a few doors from each other. Ryan then went to work somewhere else and they were still together. When he went on his first business trip with his new co-workers, he missed Shauna and decided to call. It rang twice and went to voicemail. The second time, it went straight to voicemail. He didn't leave a message. He felt hurt that she had pushed the ignore button the first time and then turned off her phone completely the second time. He found it hard to concentrate during his business meeting, but he promised himself that he wouldn't call her for the rest of his trip. Luckily, an hour later, Shona texted to apologize for not picking up. She hadn't been able to answer because her boss was standing right next to her when he called. He was relieved and called her right back. Ryan has an anxious attachment style. Fortunately for Ryan, Shona has a secure attachment style and was able, without much effort, to effectively respond to him, reestablish contact, and calm his attachment system. It took just one text message to get him back on track. This is very important. This is a very important point to people in relationships. The more attuned you are to your partner's needs at the early stages and he or she to yours, the less energy you will expend attending to him or her. If she hadn't sent that text, he would have found it harder to concentrate at work, which is an activating strategy, and he probably would have either acted distant later on or exploded on the phone. And these are examples of something called protest behavior. 
what's this protest behavior? It's letting your attachment system get the best of you. It's any action that tries to reestablish contact with your partner and get their attention. Anything that can jolt the other person to notice and respond to you. Kind of like how a child cries and fusses when the primary attachment figure leaves them alone. Examples of protest behavior being excessive attempts to reestablish contact, that's calling, texting, loitering around their place of work. It could also be withdrawing and ignoring your partner or trying to keep scores. For example, waiting to see how long they took to respond to your call or text and waiting just as long to return theirs. It could be acting hostile, passive aggressive, threatening to leave, manipulation, or trying to make him or her feel jealous. Protest behavior and activating strategies can cause you to act in ways harmful to the relationship. So let's take a pause for the anxious turn and talk about the avoidance. Unlike the anxious that have their attachment style activated by certain things, it is important to note that the avoidant style always manifests itself. If you are avoidant, it determines to a great extent what you expect in relationships, how you interpret romantic situations, and how you behave with your date or partner. Whether you are single or involved in a relationship, even a committed one, you are always maneuvering to keep people at a distance. Avoidance and devoid of the need for closeness and attachment, they are just as vulnerable to threats of separation. You've just adopted a defensive stance that makes it seem like the opposite. Most avoidants live their, li their lives around the idea of self-reliance and independence and how they don't need anyone. Quote, they feel a deep-rooted aloneness even while in a relationship. Whereas people with a secure attachment style find it easy to accept their partners flaws and all, to depend on them, and to believe that they are special and unique. For avoidant people, such a stance is a major life challenge. If you are avoidant, you connect with romantic partners but always maintain some mental distance and an escape route. Feeling close and complete with someone else, the emotional equivalent of finding a home, is a condition you find difficult to accept. As anxiously attached people had or have activating strategies to reestablish closeness, avoidantly attached people have deactivating strategies to keep their partners at arm's length. These strategies suppress the attachment system, the biological mechanism of the brain responsible for the desire to, keep, to seek closeness. Because remember, avoidants also have the need for closeness in relationships, but they make the effort to suppress it. Some common deactivating strategies include saying, I'm not ready to commit, but staying with the person nonetheless, or focusing on small imperfections of your partner, pining after an ex, flirting with others, pulling away when things are going well, checking out mentally when your partner is talking to you, and so much more. If you're avoidant, these small everyday deactivating strategies are tools you unconsciously use to make sure the person that you love or will love won't get in the way of your autonomy. But at the end of the day, these tools are standing in the way of you being happy in a relationship. As an avoidant, there are unconstructed thought patterns you might have that you are almost entirely unconscious to. One being mistaking self-reliance for independence. 
if you overrate self-reliance, you diminish the importance of getting support from other people, thus cutting yourself from an important lifeline. It also forces you to ignore the needs of your partner. And two, seeing the worm instead of the apple, that is only seeing imperfections of their partner. There is an egg and chicken case scenario with the avoidance. Like I already mentioned, they always look at the imperfections of their partner. Sometimes get frustrated with their needs for intimacy and closeness too. And so through different means, including deactivating strategies, they sabotage the relationship and it ends. Oftentimes, after it ends, they rediscover their feelings for their now ex-partner. Once the avoidant person has put time and distance between themselves and the partner they had lost interest in, feelings of love and intimacy returns. Because once at a safe distance, the threat of intimacy is gone and you no longer feel the need to suppress your true feelings. You then begin to recall all their great qualities, convincing yourself that he or she was the best partner you ever had. In essence, you put your past partner on a pedestal and pay tribute to the love of your life now forever lost. You may try to resume the relationship, starting off a vicious cycle of getting closer and withdrawing. Either way, this person becomes what is known as a phantom ex. This fixation with a past partner affects budding new relationships because it acts as a de deactivating strategy, blocking you from getting close to someone else. Even though you probably never get back together with your phantom ex, just knowledge that they are out there is enough to make any new partner seem insignificant by comparison. And so the cycle repeats itself. There is also the idea of the one, the belief that there is a perfect person for you right around the corner, one without the current imperfections you are only seeing in your current partner. This is just another form of the activating strategy to stop you from allowing yourself to commit to your current partner. I really, really, really wish I could go on, but there isn't enough time and I really am trying to not use too many minutes. There's still more to talk on and I fear I won't be able to do justice to them if I talk about it under 5 minutes or even 10 minutes. So look out for next week. Just so you have an idea, next week we'll focus on how, they how to avoid the traps of your attachment system that are detrimental to your relationship and happiness. Most importantly, I'll talk about the anxious avoidant trap, which is basically the notion that anxious and avoidant people tend to gravitate towards each other, which ends up being unfulfilling for both parties. And then I'll talk on how to avoid this. And probably a few other things. I really, really recommend you read the book because they go in really deep to these things and a lot more. Phew, if you've come this far, I'm grateful. If you enjoyed this episode and learned something new, please share it with friends, family, and your partner. If you have any questions or comments, send me an email. I will catch you next week for the third and final part of this topic. Stay safe, and I hope you have an amazing week ahead. <music>